Hey, uh, we are diving into a series. The topic is this issue of stress. And what we're going to discover today is we just kind of dive in. And here's what you need to get. Some of the things we're going to say have the potential to be really scary. I mean, there's a chance that as we dig into what we're going to dig into today, you're going to go, oh, wow, 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 wow. I didn't want to know that was the answer. I, I, I'm not sure if that's how we started. I'm not sure I'm coming back. Uh, here's what, could you stay in the room for the conversation? Because what, what's going to happen is, is in order for us to get where we've got to get, we're going to unpack stress, and then we're going to begin to put the pieces back together. And the unpacking, I'm just going to warn you right now, is going to be a little bit difficult. It's going to be a little bit scary as we begin to unpack how we got there and why we stress and then what do you do what do you do not to be there on the deal what we're going to discover today is is that is that this issue of control in our lives is inextricably linked to the issue of stress how many in the room go you know what i i i i I, maybe i've got a little bit of control going on in my life okay a couple of you all of you that right now your spouse is hitting you in the ribs that's you yeah, maybe. And I know you would say, no, 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 it's not control. I'm just careful. <laughs> I'm well planning. But what we're going to discover is, is that this issue of control comes back. So let's just take a control survey. How many people in the room would say, when we take a trip, uh, I have to drive the entire time? That's me. Okay, so you just might have a control. Th- now, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to judge you or anything. I'm just saying, you know, if you've got to drive the whole time. How many women in the room would go, uh, my spice rack is in alphabetical order? Okay, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, you know. H- how many of you, it's a big deal whether or not the toilet paper is over or under? <laughs> oh, hey, hey, there we hit a hot button. I mean, let's just talk. All right, well, you know what? We could solve this. We could just solve it right now. So let, let's do this. How many people in the room say it definitely needs to be over the top? That's the right way. How many say, no, 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 man, under? Oh. How many say, you guys are loons? What are you thinking, man? Just is it there? How, 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 many, how many of you in the room? You have to load the dishwasher at home because nobody else in your family can load it right. I want to live in your family. I'm pretty sure I don't know how to load it right. I'll let you load it. Okay, so here's, here's what we're going to discover, guys. This issue, this, this thing of control is going to directly, directly relate to how stressed out you and I get in our lives. And we're going to discover some pretty interesting things things about control. But if you have your Bibles this morning, go with you real quick. Go with me to the book of Mark, because I think there's a great passage here when life went out of control, when there was nothing you were going to do to fix it. And Jesus, I believe, in that moment begins to teach lessons about control for you and me. It's Mark chapter 4. Most of us in this room are going to be fairly familiar uh, with this story. I just don't know that you and I have ever landed it and understood what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples and then inadvertently you and me uh, in this moment. It's Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching. Uh, the crowds have been just absolutely overwhelming. And so now the decision is made, hey, we're going to take a boat, head across the Sea of Galilee 
by doing that, we'll get to the other side way ahead of the crowds, and even if they follow by going around uh, the edge of the lake, we'll at least have a respite. We'll have a little bit of time to ourselves to relax before we have to get back into teaching mode again. And so they head out. It's evening time. They get on the Sea of Galilee, start uh, heading across. The interesting thing is, is that as they're going across, uh, this huge storm comes up that nobody saw. And if you have any knowledge of the geography around the area, you understand how that's possible to happen. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains, so you could have left a port, looked up, and everything you could see looked fine, and yet behind the mountains, occluded from your view, the storm is coming. And now it's nighttime, the storm has hit them, uh, and this storm apparently was monstrous because many of the disciples of Jesus were actually fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They spent their entire lives on this body of water, and yet in this moment, they're in trouble. I mean, it is absolutely out of control, and uh, their stress factor is through the roof. Matter of fact, they're pretty sure if something doesn't change, if something doesn't happen, they're going to die. And in the midst of this moment, in the midst of these seasoned fishermen finding their lives absolutely out of control, Jesus teaches some incredible lessons about control to us. Here it is. It's Mark chapter 4, starting in verse uh, 35. Here's what it says. That day when evening came, he, speaking of Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. I think it's interesting that sometimes when you get to stories in Scripture where maybe you and I might want to look back and go, you know, did that really happen that way? I mean, did, did that miracle actually take place? That often Bible writers would stop and say, you just need to know there were other people there. They saw this thing happen, and it was just like we said there were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Don't you wish you could say that to your kids? <laughs> then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey this guy? Well, it's interesting, and in what's going to happen in the story and the lesson here is that here are guys who are on the verge of losing their lives, who are living life in panic mode. They are stressed out of their heads. They're pretty sure this thing gets ugly. And when they see what God can do, Scripture says, then they were terrified because they realized they'd been in a boat with a God who could speak, and the wind and the waves obeyed. Interesting, interesting moment. So let's go back into the story. Go to verse 38 again with me. Jesus uh, was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You ever prayed that prayer? 
You ever had a moment in which you just said, God, I, don't you get it? I mean, don't you see what's going on? I mean, wake up already. My, my life is absolutely out of control. I, don't you care? Here's how life works for you and me. We've got, we've got this. We've got this idea of, of how life is supposed to go. This, this is the plan. This is reality. This is what's actually happening. This is what I want to have happen. This is what's actually happening. And as long as those two are reasonably close, you and I are stress-free. Here I go going... Life is good. Move the comb. Now suddenly put you and I in a position where how life ought to be, what ought to be happening, what I ought to be succeeding at, the promotion I ought to be getting, the, the boy that ought to be asking me out on the date, and reality are different. And all of a sudden, this gap, this difference, that stress. Because in this moment, you and I are deeply frustrated. We're going, hey, 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 no, 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 no. This is not the plan. Something needs to get us back on course. This is deeply frustrating. Life is not going the way it's supposed to go. Move the cone even further. And now my stress turns to anger. Now, now I'm saying things like, that's not fair. How come, how come I'm following God, I'm doing the things I had to do, I'm being obedient, and my heathen neighbor, they're doing just fine. God, you want to have someone to strike a little lightning on? Do it to Fred. And you and I live in this moment and we struggle not to get angry at God and not to get angry at circumstances. And now I panic. <laughs> you, get, you get the way things ought to be. You, get, you deviate far enough from the plan and reality ends up somewhere completely out of bounds from that. And you and I in that moment begin to just absolutely scurry like rats. We are terrified in that moment. We want to say, God, God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm drowning? Don't, don't, don't you care that my 401k was in the stock market and it is tanked? How do you retire? God, 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 don't, do you care that I'm five months behind on my mortgage? God, didn't you hear? Didn't you hear when the doctor said cancer? Why, why, why is it my kid who's going crazy on me? How come my marriage is on the rocks? 
And in that moment, every last one of us gets tempted, you ready, to take control. In that moment, you and I all reach for the wheel and we go, look, look, God, apparently, apparently you don't understand, apparently, and, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make some course correction in my life. If you and I were honest this morning, we've, we've been in stress before, we've, we've lived this before, and isn't it true that probably some of the dumbest decisions, some of the worst decisions of our lives have been in this moment, when, when, what, when what we were pretty sure was supposed to be happening was way, way, way different than reality. And you and I grabbed the wheel and we said, look, look, I know normally, normally, uh, no, I, I would never be partners with this guy. But right now, I mean, given the circumstances, well, God, I mean, if you would have brought me a good guy to marry, then I wouldn't be making this choice. But apparently I just get what's left over. I don't normally lie, but man, given the moment, I mean, given, given the fallout, if, if, if a lie moves that back a little closer, and isn't it true that some of the biggest regrets in our lives have happened when you and I were stressed out of our minds, when we were pretty sure that God was asleep in the front of the boat? And you and I reached for this. Let me ask you a question. Who placed this cone here? No, I mean, I mean, who decided that this is how life was supposed to be? Who decided that you were supposed to get into that college? Who decided that everybody else should get laid off and you shouldn't get laid off? I mean, who, who decided that this is, this is what life was supposed to be? And if you and I were honest in this moment, when we would say, we did. We did. We said, God, I'm just sending my, you know, I'm sending up my order. I, I'd like to have, you know, 2.5 kids a very, very small mortgage, and a basket of fries, please. And, and you and I decided this is what it looks like when it's right. And isn't it interesting that you and I judge or decide whether or not God is good or whether or not God is faithful by how well He obeys us and fulfills our requests? What if? What if you and I were all wrong? And what if this cone was supposed to be there? Remember we said when those two cones line up, when you get them close, then there's nothing to stress about because life is exactly where life is supposed to be. What if, what if... What if where I'm at is exactly where it's supposed to be? Now, here's what you need to hear me say. Sometimes, 
Sometimes these cones are apart because you and I have been disobedient, because you and I have lived recklessly. See, here's the deal. If, if you and I signed that variable rate mortgage, because we just thought, hey, I'll always have money and it'll always be okay. Uh, you and I started dating that guy who didn't know our Jesus, and we just said, I know it's not biblical, but I'm just going to do it anyhow. Th- that sometimes these are apart because you and I have just lived with recklessness. But if you and I sit in a moment and say, no, 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 I've, I've, I've been doing the right thing. I mean, I've been living the way I'm supposed to live. And now all of a sudden, these cones are way, way far apart. What if? What if that's exactly where they're supposed to be? Who gets to make that call? You remember the story of Jesus. He's, he's walking along, and he comes upon a blind man. And as he gets to the blind man, his disciples turn to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, wait, wait, wait. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Did his parents sin? Did he do some horrible thing that made him blind? And remember what Jesus said? He was born blind so that the glory of God could be seen. Because God knew that today I'd be walking down this road, I would heal this man, and everybody standing around would know who I was. You know what Jesus was saying that moment? The cones are exactly where they're supposed to be. See, if, if you'd gone to that blind man when he was seven, I guarantee you, he's going, I don't get it. I don't, why are all the other kids able to see? Why, why can't I play? If, if, you'd, if you'd asked any of his friends, they would, they would have said, boy, he must have done something to really, really screw up his life. And you realize that in this moment, Jesus picks up the cone. And is it possible that some of the stuff, some of the things that you and I are stressed out of our mind about, And you and I can look and say, no, no, I didn't do this to myself. I didn't disobey. I wasn't reckless. And yet my life is still way, way, way over to the side. What if God says that's exactly worse? We're not going to steer over the storm. We're going to steer through the storm. Because there are lessons that you're going to learn about me and about yourself There are people watching who will never know how powerful I am unless they watch me calm the storm in your life. So I chose for us to go through the storm together, not around the storm. And the reality is, the waves are exactly what I wanted. The wind is blowing just as hard as I asked. Isn't it interesting that you and I measure the faithfulness of God by whether or not he obeys us instead of whether or not we obey him? Back to the passage. Let's go back to verse 38 again. It says, And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. 
And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. You get the moment. You get that what Jesus is trying to teach in the moment. He says, everything that was going on, everything that was happening, it was never more than a word away from me. I was always in charge, and I was always in control. And here's what you and I have got to get in this moment. That just because life is out of control for you and me doesn't mean that it's out of control for God. See, here's the deal. If it's, if it's your job and my job to get the cones back together, see, if it's up to me to calm the waves, if it's up to me to make the wind, then I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. What Jesus says, look, there was never a moment that I wasn't bigger than the storm. You get that if you and I really, really think about it, you and I really aren't in control of a whole lot. That the biggest things, the hardest issues in life, you and I aren't strong enough, big enough, smart enough to fix it. I'm nine years old, and uh, my grandparents take me to Disneyland, and my favorite ride at Disneyland, Autotopia. Do they still have Autotopia? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who said, oh, yeah? All right. There you go. Good. All right. I thought maybe some old man said it. No, it's not. That's good. All right. <laughs> so here's the deal. Autotopia, if you've never been there, they've got these cars. They look like sports cars. Uh, and you get in, and you get to steer them around uh, this track. So I'm nine years old, and if you're a nine-year-old boy, the idea of driving a sports car is pretty darn cool. And uh, so I get behind the wheel, grandma's next to me, and I'm saying, watch this. And uh, so we start out down the road, and I'm getting to the first turn, and I'm in a second turn, and I'm turning. Now, it took me a while, and maybe because I'm a little bit slow, but about the fifth time around Autotopia, uh, I begin to realize, even though I'm turning the wheel, uh, the car is still going straight. And, and the only time it, it hits this rail that's in the middle, and then all of a sudden it jerks to the side. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm not turning soon enough. So now I'm just turning with all the fast I possibly. And the car is still, boom, hitting the rail and jerking to the side. And then it occurs to me the steering wheel's not attached. You get that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. That he's saying, look, look, the way the day ends, guys, was never about how high you hoisted the sails or about how fast you bailed the water. And I know you were freaking out because I didn't have a cup and wasn't tossing it up. That was never going to decide it. You get that your Heavenly Father was always going to decide this one. Because, because the reality is, you and I were never the ones in control. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not trying to say to you that the decisions we make and how we behave, 
I'm 49 and I still think that maybe I was turning a little bit on that car. But at the end of the day, you get that the rail in the middle is God. That God is saying to you and me, the day will be decided not by how fast you turn the wheel, but by your heavenly Father. You never were, you never were really in control. And for some of us in the room, that revelation, that understanding is terrifying. Back to the passage. Starting in verse 39. He got up and rebuked uh, the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples two questions. Two questions that every one of us who's dealing with stress has got to answer for ourselves. Why are you so afraid? And do you still have no faith? It's interesting. Why are you so afraid, Jesus asked his disciples, which is, you know, think about the moment. The sails are all ripped. The boat, the boat is filled up with water. It's about to come back out over the rim. The disciples are drenched from head to toe. I mean, if you're one of the disciples and Jesus says, you know, hey, how come you guys were so afraid? Don't you just want to go, duh, duh, like big hairy storm going on, duh. And you and I have that moment, right? God, I'm getting ready to lose my house, duh. My kid is in absolute chaos, duh. The doctor said cancer. Duh. And it's almost as if the disciples in this moment want to say, look, Jesus, you know, maybe because you're God and stuff, you don't get this, but this is our job. Our job is distress. See, when, when everything gets out of control, when things start falling apart, then, then that's what you do. You stress out over it. When, when, your, when your bank account hits zero, you stress. When, when, when you do everything you can do to get promoted at work and nobody's seeing it, you stress. That's, that's your job if you're human. And it's as if in this moment Jesus is rewriting the job description. And he's saying to you and I, no, it's not. It's not the job. Your job is to trust. Your job is to trust that there's a God who you serve who is bigger than the storm. It's your job to trust that nothing you could do would be enough. But there's a God who is enough. That's why Scripture says, trust in the Lord. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and he will direct your path. Why were you afraid? Jesus asks. Second question. Do you still have no faith? And if you actually go back to the Greek in this, it it actually reads more like, why are you still having little faith? It's almost as if in this moment Jesus is chiding the disciples and going, you guys realize you're little faithers. 
See, this was a moment that needed big faith, and you're little faithing all over on this. When, when are you going to have big faith? If the outcome of your life and my life is dependent on my ability, on your ability, then you realize you're putting your trust in something that is far too weak and far too incapable to fix the problem. Jesus would say in that moment, guys, if you were counting on fixing the sails, if you were counting on bailing water fast enough, it wasn't going to work. And you had little faith. As long as you keep trusting yourself, you're trusting in something that's far too small for your problems. Guys, get this. As long as you and I are trusting in ourselves, we are trusting in something that is far too small to solve our problems. And Jesus would say, when are you going to stop little faithing? And Jesus would say, but place your faith in something that's big enough, strong enough, smart enough, something that's bigger than the storm. A couple years back, Lisa and I are flying back from St. Louis, and I'm actually, we're flying back from the East Coast. We're stopping in St. Louis for a layover. And as we uh, started uh, to come in on descent, the flight attendant got on the radio and said, um, there are some really high winds in St. Louis right now, which means that our landing could be interesting. Now, I'm just telling you, that's the last thing you want to hear, landing interesting. So sure enough, as we start to come down, and I have no idea, but man, those winds were going crazy. I mean, they're sideways across the airstrip. So now we're in the plane, and you can feel the pilot over and over again making these adjustments, and the plane's pitching back and forth. And then he starts flying the plane sideways. He's, he turns the nose of the plane into the wind because the wind's pushing the plane to the side so much. He has to fly against the wind in order to go straight. We had a pilot at the first hour came and said, well, that's called crabbing. Oh, I said, well, thank you very much. Whatever it was, it's terrifying. <laughs> flying the plane sideways to go straight. So here we are, we're, we're flying in sideways to land. And at the last possible moment, all of a sudden, the pilot pitches the plane up on the side, because now he's got to straighten the plane out and he doesn't want the wind to blow us off the airfield. We land on one wheel, go down the runway, and then wham, the other side comes down, shh, landing. I'm sitting in that moment just, ah! I turned to my wife. She's fine. I'm like, wait a minute. You can't even trust me to drive across town. I mean, we come up to a nurse and go, you need to turn here. You need to get in your right lane right about now. I can't even navigate surface streets. And here we are landing in the sideways crabbing thing by the wheel, and you're just you should have been running to the cabin, throwing open the door, grabbing the controls, and landing it yourself. Apparently, you've got more confidence in the pilot than you do me. You get that's exactly what Jesus is teaching. That there come moments in life when the wind is blowing and the plane's going sideways and we're landing on one wheel, and you get to decide in that moment who do you want flying the plane? 
And everyone says aside, do I rush the cabin? Do I say to the pilot, hey, step aside because I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to do this one myself because this is scary out of my mind. Or do you and I and that woman say, wait a minute. The guy flying this thing, smarter than me, better equipped than me, and if anybody's going to bring it, he's going to bring it. Why are you so afraid? Why do you have so little faith, Jesus would ask? See, the truth is, you and I were never supposed to have this in our hands in the first place. The pilot was. You know what I think would be really, really scary today? There are some of us in this room, you don't have a pilot. You, you don't have that relationship with God. The truth is, you're flying the plane all by yourself. And it is up to you to land it. And you just need to hear me say, that ought to stress you out. That ought to scare you to death. Because if you're going to live life in high winds, and if you're going to try to make this thing land, you want the pilot in the cabin. And there are some of us in this room who that would be the best step we could take toward removing stress in our life. Let the pilot fly. Let's bow our heads. So, so here's what I'm just going to ask, okay? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you full of stress? And I, I get it. I mean, I, I get it. There is enough going on in our economy right now. There's enough going on in our marriages right now. You and I have every reason to be stressed if, if it's up to you and me to fix it. Because I, I can't fix the economy. Chances are you can't fix your marriage. Chances are you can't make a magic wand and have a job. But there's a God. There's a God who all he has to do is speak and say, peace, be still. And storms obey. So what if it's not up to you? And what if you never were in control? And what if maybe even, just maybe, the storm is exactly where he wanted you. Because you're learning things right now that you would have never learned in calm water. And you're growing in ways that you would have never grown with sunshine on the deck and cool breezes at your back. And God said, no, 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 we're not flying over the storm. We're going through the storm. It's exactly where I want you. Is it okay then to let him have the steering wheel? To say, I'm going to trust the God who's bigger than the storm. Some of us in here need to get him on board. Some of us have no other options right now because we don't have a relationship with him. Well, I'd want a pilot if I was in a storm. The winds were howling in my life. I don't want to be flying that plane. And some of you need to discover God today. Dear Lord Jesus, we're just coming to you. 
And God, we're going to be honest, we, we've stressed because we thought that was our job. I mean, that's what humans do when life gets out of control, you stress. God, help us to learn the lesson of the boat. That no matter what we had done, no matter how high we lift the sails, no matter how quickly we bailed the water, the storm was bigger than us. We needed, we needed to lean into the God who is bigger than the storm. And God, it's possible, and we just acknowledge it today, that we've been frustrated with you because you haven't been doing what we decided you should do. We would have chosen to go around the storm, and you chose to go through. So we're just going to take hands off, and we're going to let you steer. And we're going to trust that our pilot knows how to land the plane. In Jesus' name.